Welcome to the University of California, San Francisco Sports Medicine Podcast, featuring Dr. Nira Fundia, Dr. Brian Feely, and Dr. Drew Lansdowne, discussing hot topics in sports medicine and society. We hope you enjoy our podcast and look forward to hearing from you. Okay, welcome everyone to our UCSF Sports Medicine Podcast, six to eight weeks with myself, Dr. Nira Fundia, Dr. Brian Feely, and Dr. Drew Lansdowne. Uh, this is the first podcast in a while. All three of us are back together, so uh, hopefully our audience is looking forward to um, three three different hosts. Um, today we're going to cover a topic that is uh, you know dear to a lot of people's hearts, particularly as people are starting to get more active and exercising um, as we hopefully are coming out of the pandemic is running. It's an activity many of us do from a young age into our old age, and there are a lot of different issues that we need to encounter as we start running uh, or continue to run into our older age. So Maybe the first question I think that we get a lot of for you, Drew, is um, what are some of the red flags uh, for runners? Um, what are things that we should in general look out for? Yeah, I think some of the most concerning things um, are just an inability to put weight on the leg. And, um, you know, running in general is very safe, but um, occasionally we'll run into, you know, bigger, more concerning injuries. Um, and then it is challenging because you can just have you know, little aches, little pains, sore afterwards, things like that, which is all totally normal. Uh, and there's some, you know, bigger, more concerning things. So I think we get really concerned when, um, you know, especially after a long run, you can't put weight at all on the leg. Um, you know, can't even have something like a stress fracture, a hip fracture, uh, or other fracture. And um, usually your body will tell you that by, um, you know, just a lot of pain with trying to put weight on it. Um, and then um, for, you know, like the knee, the ankle, I think what we get most concerned about is when there's swelling, because uh, that's usually the reaction that we see whenever, you know, there's an injury to the cartilage or in the meniscus, um, things like that, that um, outside of just that regular soreness, um, if the joint is really, you know, getting swollen, getting big um, after running, definitely more concerning. Yeah. And then, you know, I agree. I think that the swelling is the key issue. And I think it's, it's a little bit different also for, also based on age as well, too. You know, I think when I get a younger athlete in, you know, 16, 17 or 18, the swelling super concerns me. Like, I'm like, is there been an acute injury? What's going on? Um, what about the older population? You know, like as, you know, the 60, 70, 80 year old runner, like, is it normal to have a little bit of swelling? Let's say like they've run a half marathon or a marathon. Does that, you know, warrant a, a visit to the doctor? Or is that something that you can just say, Hey, let's just put some ice on it and see how it goes over a couple of days. Yeah. And I think, you know, if you have some arthritis in the joint, um, then you can have that kind of lower grade swelling. Um, and so, you know, if you're 70, you know, usually run a couple miles and you push it to a half marathon, have some mild swelling afterwards, like that's probably not a huge deal. Um, and, uh, but I totally agree that if, you know, you're 15 with, you know, that new swelling in a joint, that's a lot more concerning. And then Brian, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, when you're working these patients up, if they do come in and you're concerned about, you know, swelling, uh, in, particularly in the knee, um, what are some of the, the common pathologies that you'll see for runners um, as opposed to say like a football player or like a, you know, soccer player when they come in with these kind of, kind of swelling after running? Sure. So I think when we see people with swelling after running, it depends on whether or not there's one location that's swollen or the whole knee is swollen. So for us, I think the most common things, especially for distance runners are having some swelling underneath your IT band, which runs along the outside of your leg. So you kind of feel down on the outside of your knee and you feel there's a little bump above the joint line. Um, that's where your IT band goes over your um, over the outside of your knee. That can get swollen. Same things where your hamstrings attach. Um, and every now and again, 
Um, patients can even have uh, bursitis or inflammation around their around their kneecap. The things that we those are less concerning. Those are essentially I ran really far and my body wasn't quite ready. Um, the things that we're worried more about inside the knee are like what Drew said. Um, we worry about a, a cartilage injury, a meniscus tear, or just inflammation in the setting of arthritis. And that the third one is by far the most common. Um, for the most part, you don't tear your meniscus or cause arthritis by running. So, you know, I think that leads into the, the next question maybe, you know, particularly for your population. Is it um, for both you and Drew? you know, a lot of people times ask, is it bad for my knees? Like, should I be running at all? Does it lead to arthritis? And I think even I get, you know, some 18, 19, 20 year olds, I'm like, you need to get active. And they're like, no, I have a history of arthritis in my family. I don't want to run. It's it's going to lead to more degenerative changes. What do you tell to a, a patient, particularly if they're, you know, have risk factors for it, they're not overweight, they're not obese. When they say, can I run? And is it going to lead to, lead to me getting a knee replacement in the future? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think there's a really nice study that was published out of the Osteoarthritis Initiative. And for most people who don't know, this was a giant study where they essentially looked at people with early NEOA and followed them over a decade. Um, and basically every year got imaging, um, including an MRI, asked them a bunch of questions and that included questions about their lifestyle, where they lived, how they exercised. And what they found was that over a course of eight years, um, there was no increased rate of arthritis in the highly physically active people, meaning the people that ran, no matter how much they ran, they didn't accelerate the arthritis. So running, at least from that study, as well as some others, seems to be safe. The other thing that you don't really necessarily think about is all the other benefits that you get. If, you're, if you want to run and you're jogging and you're enjoying it, you're probably going to be less depressed, which is associated with a lower risk of um, developing symptomatic arthritis. You're probably going to be a little bit lighter because you're out running, which lowers the rate of arthritis progression. So I think the benefits from running um, far outweigh the risks on the knees. Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of people do worry, like, is that a, a sign, this kind of generalized pain? Is it a sign of arthritis? But I think what most commonly is something called runner's knee, you know, like you read runner's world, you read these magazines and people are like, Oh, how to treat runner runner's knee. What exactly is that drew? Or like, what is this pain in the front of the knee that a lot of runners get? Like what exactly is going on? Cause we know it's most likely not arthritis or meniscus tear. Yeah. So it's um, like telephemoral pain syndrome um, and like runner's knee jumper's knee. And it's um, essentially just like an overload of the front of the knee. Um, and I think a lot of it's driven by the like muscular balance between uh, the quads and the the hip muscles. Um, and then it's just that like overuse that then is transferred to the front of the knee and then becomes painful. Um, and then it's good because it's something that um, we can generally get better without surgery. Um, it can mean, you know, decreasing activity for a period of time while, you know, building up strength and better mechanics, but um, usually can get people through it well. Um, and, um, you know, it is one of the more common things that we'll see in runners, especially as people are like, either ramping up mileage or, you know, getting back into activity after um, being out for a while. All right, Narev, I've got a question for you. Um, I want to talk about shoes for running because I think one of the questions I get a lot is we get through the visit, patients are happy, their knees aren't going to hurt. And then we get into, well, what kind of shoe should I buy? Is there a difference? No, you know, I think that barring you having some sort of large you know, structural issue in terms of like super rigid flat feet or some sort of abnormal gait. I think the general rule of thumb is that 
if a running shoe feels comfortable for you, that's the best running shoe for you. Um, so whether that's a neutral shoe, a lightweight trainer, a stability shoe, like I encourage people to, you know, go to a running shoe store, we can try the shoes on, um, run for it a while. And if it feels comfortable, that's great. If it doesn't, then, you know, a lot of these running shoe stores will allow you to return it. So that's the number one thing. Um, number two, I think that there is a differentiation between kind of like your traditional running shoe. And then there's like the Hoka's, which have lots of padding or the super lightweight, even barefoot type running shoes. Um, I think when you get to the extremes, particularly with the barefoot one or the very minimally, you know, kind of minimal padding ones, you can get into trouble. Um, but I think that if a shoe feels good and it's comfortable and you're not getting pain with it, I think that's the most important thing. Um, I think number two, it's also important to change your shoes frequently. I think a lot of people will come in and say, look, my knees are hurting me, particularly younger athletes. I'm like, oh, I, those shoes look beaten up. And I'm like, oh, I've had those shoes for two years. So I think the general rule of thumb for for changing running shoes is we say 300 miles or every six months. I know it kind of sounds like a car dealership, but um, that's when you should um, you know change things. So get a comfortable running shoe, make sure you're changing it up. Um, and that's really the key thing. If it feels good, then that's the best shoe for you. But, you know, New Balance is more expensive right now than Nike. So New Balance is better, right? Well, I think we're we're open for advertisement, right? Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, New Balance, the, the old, you know, it, it's funny that the traditional thing had been New Balance was the best running shoes. And I think New Balance did, you know, kind of had a lot of technology, didn't look very nice. But, you know, I think there is a component of it as well, too. A lot of people will be more motivated to run if they have a, a shoe that looks good when they're out running and things like that. So, um, I, you know, not many people like the clunky gray new balances, but they are, you know, definitely kind of the old standard. But um, I think there's so many new running shoe companies out there right now. So um, with a lot of new technology. So I think people feel like I have to get Nike, I have to get Adidas, I have to get all these different brands, but get a shoe that's comfortable. And if, if you, I would definitely recommend go to a running shoe specific store, particularly if you're new to running, because um, it can be overwhelming with all the different shoes and, and go to a place where people understand um, you know, shoes and, and what the different styles are. And, um, you know, sometimes they'll even kind of let you, like I said, like let you run on a treadmill there and try things out. That's disgusting. Um, so what about training types? I think there's, I know people like to run for a lot of different reasons, but is there a difference in terms of injury risk or benefits when you look at the different training types? Yeah, I can hop on that and then and Drew, if you want to chime in, you know, I think where, if you look in general for runners, the, 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 the key thing is, I think varying up your training. Um, so in general, people will, will, you know, if you're training for, you know, 5K or 10K, you'll have your kind of long, slow distance runs where you're kind of running at a conversational pace, which is generally low injury and allows your body to recover, um, where people can get into issues when they do a lot of speed work. So they're kind of running at their race pace level or faster. Um, and particularly when they're running downhill, um, I think that uphill running, even though it's harder as a less injury risk. Uh, but doing things downhill places a tremendous amount of stress uh, on your patellofemoral joint and your knees um, and also doing it very fast. So I think that's where people have a tendency to get injured. They're not resting. They're feeling that really slow running is not appropriate. Um, and it's really the downhill running kind of trail running where you're you're also dealing with ankles and, and, and falls, et cetera, are probably the higher injury risks and kind of the long, slow conversational pace are a little bit better. But I think it's varying up in cross training, just like we, we tell kids do a little bit of different things, not just run, you know, seven days a week. Drew, what do you think? Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. And I think it's um, the cross training um, and then also just that appropriate ramp up. Um, you know, if you're looking towards long distance running, like don't go out for like the super long run to start, but really like allow your body to build up to it. Um, and then it's, you know, that fatigue, that overwork and overuse that I think really prompts the most injuries. And then as long as you're gradually building up to it and then 
you know, paying attention to your strength also. So uh, paying attention to your mechanics, things like that, then um, usually, you know, able to safely increase. Um, you know, and one question, maybe you, I think we might have all different answers for this. A lot of people ask, well, how much should I be running per week when I get started? Or how much should I increase my mileage? Or how much is too much? You know, kind of for my younger athletes, you know, the ones under 18, I typically say, you know, if you're going over 40 miles a week, um, that's, you know, pretty much should be your limit. I think, you know, it's, it's, that's after that, your body's not necessarily, you know, adapted to that. And I generally use the, the 10% increase of mileage per week. Um, so for a lot of people, I'll say like, if you're, if you're running 20 miles a week, next week, only go up two to three miles kind of to keep it low. Um, what do you say, Drew and Brian, in terms of like how much people should be hitting to, or how much should they be increasing mileage week to week? Yeah, like go ahead, Drew. Uh, I like that the 10% per week as a general guideline too. And then, um, yeah, if there are small things flaring up, like listen to it and, um, you know, don't just stubbornly push ahead. Yeah, I think it really depends on what people are doing. If they're coming back out of injury, I really say the first time you run um, should be a quarter mile, go to a track um, and get it done. Just feel like you could jog and you were pain free. If you're coming off a meniscus tear, an ACL injury and reconstruction, the important thing is to get back to these milestones as pain free as possible. So start really slow, start with a short distance and then gradually increase. I use the same rule, 10%, which doesn't entirely make sense when you get to longer distances, but hey, it works. Right. And, and I think the other thing as well, too, is barefoot running. Do not run barefoot. That is not, we were, we were not designed to run barefoot unless you grew up in a culture where you started running barefoot in a long time. But I remember in residency that phase, everyone was barefoot running. Then all these people were like had Achilles tendonitis or stepping on things. It was just not a, not a good period of time. So definitely um, that would veer away from that. Um, so, you know, thanks everyone. Um, you know, we could, we could spend several podcasts on running and training and, and different, you know, running styles, but I think this gives you a general overview of kind of what we look at. For runners, it's, it's a very safe exercise. You know, there are some warning signs and red flags and get shoes that are comfortable for you and, you, and, you know, go slowly. So thanks again, everyone. And uh, hopefully uh, you'll listen to our next episode. Thanks.